Yo MTG Taps is proudly sponsored by CoolStuffInc.com, where you can find cool stuff in stock every day. Use promo code YO5 to get 5% off your next order. Yo MTG Taps is also sponsored by CardHoarder.com, our go-to source for Magic Online singles. Be sure to check out the Card Hoarder Loan Program, a flexible, affordable way to play many decks online. Everybody and welcome to another episode of Yo MTG Taps. I'm Joey Pasco. I'm Quarantine Head Joe. <laughs> quarantine Head. It sounds like a Bush song or something. Got a quarantine head. Better than a rail. Yeah, so uh, we're, we're like what five weeks into self shelter in place or something like that. Oh, maybe not. No, I don't no about. Know. I don't know what day is it anyway. Did, did you see the, the the clip of that news uh, like the local news? Yes. Channel? The Cleveland what news or something, and they're like, it? "What day is it?" It's Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. It was so perfect. So good. Uh, so dystopian. So weird. Anyway, um, yeah, we've got a lot of pre. Did I just? You just almost broke your own rule. I broke my own rule right before we start hit record. Joey was like, "Do you have anything else uh, you want to talk about before we start?" And I was like, "Yeah, they're called spoilers, not previews." Oh, you all are making me you're getting it. You're, it's sinking like in. It. <laughs> ah. Okay. We, we have a lot of spoilers to talk about from Ikoria. What is it called? Lair of Behemoths? You know, I always forget that there is even like a, a subtitle or what do you, whatever you call that, like a, a yeah. secondary <laughs> title to it. It's just well, Ikoria to me. sets... It's like the eighth time we visited that plane, so they need some way to just – they could have just called this one Aquaria because we've never been there before. Right. You know what I mean? But uh, they chose the little sub name. And, you know, something I uh, – somebody pointed out to me the other day that I really didn't notice is that they've – I forget who it was, so forgive me um, – that they're using just the same font for every set name now like there's no like unique design to the actual like font yeah for the sets like they compared them they had like listed like the new phyrexia and mirrored and besieged like all the unique fonts and stuff and then for these it was just like the exact same font just okay like really and like they, it's not like the sets are like thematically linked you know it's, what I mean? Uh, like it, was, if, it was Max Khan, who's a uh, judge. Max plays MTG on Twitter, so awesome. uh, he he posted it, and I retweeted it, and you retweeted it because yeah, like he shows it's like a picture. Like here's all these set names, like what we would see as like the set logo, and they all had. Uh, he says, "Remember when each Magic set had an awesome and flavorful logo instead of just a new color and texture applied to the same font?" And yeah, it's like the last five sets he has theros ikoria throne of eldraine ravnica ravnica allegiance and modern horizons it's just same font you know with with tweaks to uh yeah you know, they use different letters to spell different words <laughs> i don't like <laughs> that different colors i'm not gonna say it's lazy because it might be a design choice yeah 
but it's a poor choice. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I I didn't notice it either, frankly. So it, it's part partly it feels like I should be like I shouldn't care because I didn't even notice. But now that it's been pointed out to me, I'm kind of sad that they stopped doing that. You know, that was right. kind of it's kind of cool. Like it's a a flavorful element of of the set to see like a logo like that. And I guess they decided cut the budget and you know just stick with one font. I, I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so a Coriolair behemoths, uh, this set has, I think, like 500 cards. Uh, there are <laughs> like 75 mythics and they've got <laughs> abilities ranging from like inspire to uh, just to revolt and all kinds of like crazy abilities. Monarch. Yeah. All these different abilities <laughs> coming back in a Coria. Um, or at least that's what it felt like when they spoiled this and Commander 2020 at the exact same freaking time, basically using the same like frame for the posts um, on Twitter. So like you didn't even know which set it was for. I didn't know the difference between the, um, the expansion symbols. The expansion symbols. Who pointed that out? You probably have. Was that was that the same person? Uh, no, it was a proxy guy. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Pointed out, like, just posted a link or posted a picture. Here's the Aquarius set symbol. Here's the Commander 2020 set symbol. And I was like, oh, thank you. Because I've just been like, what are they doing with this set? It doesn't make sense. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, it's like two different sets. Why are they doing this? And then also, you know, it doesn't hurt or doesn't help. It hurts that they're like, 30 different versions of each mythic in the set and some of them are rares and and it's very confusing this the, uh, like i like the alt art stuff like i like the fact that they're trying different stuff um for anyone who doesn't know yet um there are promo cards in the set um that have comic book art like comic book styled art instead of like your traditional looking magic art. Uh, And those are alt art uh, versions of the cards. And then there are other alt art, alt named cards related to uh, Godzilla. Yeah. So uh, obviously uh, to prepare for this podcast, I watched um, 2019's Godzilla King of the Monsters because I had bought it on Blu-ray and never watched it. Uh, so I got around right to it. Absolutely. It was fantastic. <laughs> I was very happy with that. Um, so uh, it's very cool that they're doing this, but it's very, very confusing. We, I even had, saw people asking on Twitter, does that mean I can have eight copies of a cart? No, you can't because there's a sub name under there that tells you the actual name of the card. Um you know, even if it does have the name Godzilla King of the Monsters, it is, in fact, uh, however you say that, Zalortha Strength Incarnate, you know, um, <laughs> I would have never guessed that in like you. I forgot it. You know, like I have it in front of me. I had I had to zoom in because it was written so small. Not a recall. That was a, a <laughs> two fingers dragged apart. Um, so, uh. Let me read this card since I'm talking about it. Uh, yeah, we've real got quick, a- just to, to kind of step yeah. back in a more broad sense. So, first of all, the entire episode is going to be Ikoria stuff. You know, we're not going to no. talk about we're not going to talk about Commander. 
No, we're not going to talk about. Well, that's the bad. Yeah. Thank you, Joey. Uh, to clarify things for you, the listener at home, and for myself, the person who has no idea which cards are in Ikoria and which cards are in Commander 2020, we will not be discussing Commander 2020 spoilers. Yeah, that's what I was trying to trying to say. <laughs> thank, thank you. Yes, thank to, you for for because I did want to make that point before we got into these. Uh, yeah, which is, and, and I was just. Talking. Uh, you know, more specifically about what you're talking about now. So this Godzilla crossover thing, like in the past, we've had promotional versions of cards where they would have uh, Transformers, yeah, Transformers or My Little Pony. Like, I still and they want were, the My Little Pony set so bad. Like, I really do. Yeah, and they're like promo things, so they're not legal. You don't play them in decks. Uh, you know, at, at an SCG yep. event, you or your FNM, even uh, you can play them casually sure but they're not meant for competitive play they're not legal in standard or modern or pioneer legacy any of that uh this is very different because there was uh you know a a little bit of a leak a couple days before spoiler season started and um actual spoilers yeah with actual previews spoilers (laughs) um and it was talking about the fact that maybe godzilla was was involved and we had already seen some uh community members getting mail from wizards that came in like a popcorn box and it was like something big is coming and i'm like okay so they're trying to show like a movie theater kind of theme here with like a ticket and i'm like maybe this godzilla thing actually is like is real um right and so this is the first time you know it it is real it is a godzilla crossover and we can play godzilla in our decks uh thank you wizards thank you i mean it's not my thing, but all right, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going it, to – it's just not my thing, but I don't really care that much about Godzilla. The last time I was into Godzilla was like when I was a kid and Kenny and I, I were, were pretending Godzilla. to be <laughs> – He was like Godzilla and I was the turtle whose name I already forgot and even though I was just talking about it the other day. Um, whatever. Uh, the point is Godzilla was never really something I was hugely into and – so if Squirtle. this were if this were a Final Fantasy crossover, I might feel entirely differently. But it's Godzilla. I'm not that big into Godzilla, so this is kind of like eh, I don't know if I like this. So uh, it's weird. Yeah. It's it's strange. But go ahead and you get, you can read some cards or read this say, card. You know they're leading up to a Godzilla versus King Kong movie next uh, this year, right? Did you know that? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. So like that's been the whole deal. So the Godzilla movie that came out in 2013. Kong Skull Island, Godzilla King of the Monsters are all connected. Okay. And they're building to uh, Godzilla versus King Kong that's coming out, I believe, in like October or something. The last Godzilla uh, movie I saw was the one that came in uh, – came out in 1998. So well, that's <laughs> – the problem, Joey, because that movie was terrible. It was, um, but Foo Fighters was on the soundtrack. Right. Doesn't make it less terrible of a movie and probably <laughs> ruined Godzilla for an entire generation of people. But the Godzilla movies starting in 2013 have nothing to do with that pile of cinematic garbage and are actually a pretty decent uh, reintroduction of Godzilla um, and a good and a, a, a nice build to like what's coming. I'm really excited about Godzilla vs. King Kong. If you haven't noticed, um, it seems like it. Yeah, wasn't Shin there Godzilla, one in like 2007 called Cloverfield? Isn't that was that is that not Godzilla? I don't think that was Godzilla. <laughs> I'm being um, so, I'm being facetious now. So yeah, go ahead. Shin Godzilla uh, was a Japanese reimagining of Godzilla that was 
actually the best of all of them, but also has nothing to do with um, with the uh, the storyline that they're building up here in in the new Godzilla movies in the States. Um, Anyway, with that said. Godzilla King of the Monsters, not just a 2019 movie. It is a legendary creature dinosaur, a mythic rare. Uh, it costs a green, a red, and three, and it's a 7-3 trample. Um, again, the name of this card, IRL, is Zalortha Strength Incarnate. Um, 7-3 trample, lethal damage dealt to creatures you control is determined by their power rather than their toughness. So it's like the flip of like uh Doran. Doran, yeah, exactly. Which like dealt yeah, Doran lets the creatures deal damage equal to their toughness. This is their toughness is equal to their power kind of. Yeah, so it's like the flip side of of Doran. Right. Yeah. Um so pretty neat and that but that's only lethal damage dealt to creatures you control. Right. So um, that's really interesting. I, I don't actually know how to use this necessarily um, or why it ever has three toughness. Like, how is that ever going to how is the three toughness ever going to be relevant? Why isn't this just a seven seven? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, is it just combat damage? Minus three. I guess you could do like uh, minus three, minus three. Yeah. Now I'm, you know I'm trying I mean? to. So here's here's kind of an amusing glitch here i don't know <laughs> i'm like i want to look at this card so i can have it in front of me so i go on to scryfall and i type in godzilla no cards found <laughs> oops no cards found because there isn't a card in magic called godzilla <laughs> <laughs> i guess i mean uh yeah so so this is me trying to uh find this card and not being able to find it because i don't actually know the the, the street the name answer? of it or whatever <laughs> or is godzilla the street name <laughs> What's the, what's the enchantment, um, the removal spell from um, from Theros that I've cast a thousand times and still don't know the friggin' name of? Um, that's like death. Enchantment minus three minus three. Um, oh man! Black one. Anyway, so you could use that to kill this because that's not damage. Okay, you see what I'm saying? So lethal damage. Um, okay, so it's interesting because it also says lethal damage. Lethal um, damage, but. A creature with zero toughness will die. Sure. That's, that's not damage. Okay, you know that what makes I mean? sense. Yeah, something so like could. Gameless Inversion would work. Anything that gives minus three. Right, right, uh, toughness, right. Toughness, yeah. So, um, so that would work. But, but again, so, so okay, so there is some reason other than here's how we explain how this works by giving it way less toughness and going, nope, it has to take seven damage. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, so... So that, that so there are ways around it, right. is what I'm saying. I mean, something like Soul Scar Mage would also affect it, right? Because it's still yeah. being dealt the damage. It would deal the damage, and it would get counters, and then it would die because yeah. it has toughness, right? So, so yeah, so that's how that works. So that's good to know. Um, wish it had haste, which again, <laughs> begging here. Uh, I mean, this is a pretty sweet card. Um, so essentially, it's a five mana seven seven trampler in a lot of yeah. ways. Yeah, and nothing you, wrong with that. And if you build your deck around it to have you know a lot of creatures that have high power and low toughness, ball lightning, um, you know those style cards. It actually, oh. I mean, ball lightning you sacrificed anyway. But but just saying, um, 
something like that. That's the first thing that popped into my head as being high power, low toughness. Uh, but that kind of thing, then then this could could matter a lot, you know, if you build your deck around it like that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I saw it. I was like, big dumb monster. Also, it's Godzilla. <laughs> and then I dismissed it. So <laughs> it's not, <laughs> not really my thing. For sure. Well, no, uh, well, uh, well, then, Joey, find us a card that is your thing and tell me about it. Well, let's – so I, I want to kind of talk about – the before we dig into like a whole lot of specific cards, I know we'll just mention them as we go, but um, just the I, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the feel of this set. And you already mentioned some of the alternate art that is not Godzilla is um, is this comic book alternate art, and um, and this whole set is just like about big monsters. And I think you know a question came up, or there was a meme I think that uh, that Ryan posted in our Discord that was like um, the the Spike Johnny. Timmy kind of thing where it's like Eldrain was Spike and Theros was a Johnny set and Ikoria is a Timmy set or a Tammy set. I know they've added uh, different names for our player profiles, I guess, um, over the for course sure. of the years. And I know there's like Vorthos and then there's like Melvin. And I'm, I'm kind of uh, not familiar with all of them. But I know, like the the main three, which was the Spike Johnny Timmy thing, you know, Timmy likes to cast big monsters. So is this set just like a Timmy set? And um, I don't know. I don't I, know. I'll, I'll let you actually see. I mean, with some of the cards we've seen here, I think they're doing. They've done a good job of appealing to a pretty broad swath of people. Because on the one hand, um, you have this question of, you know, is this just a bunch of big dumb monsters for casuals to play with and on the other hand we have things like uh sam black's article saying that like <laughs> uh these cards are so powerful that they're going to fundamentally change uh the way magic is played and that's a bad thing you know what i mean so so there's really two extremes there you yeah. know what i mean like um and and i i've yet to determine if they found um, the happy medium there, but there are certainly um, appeals to casual and competitive players alike. Right. You know what I mean? Um, the, the look of the set certainly is casual, but uh, competitive players don't care what the theme of the set is. They just want to know what card fits in my deck that is going to win me the most games of magic. Right. And, you know, cool. If they have cards that'll answer that question and then they're also big splashy cards for casuals great mission accomplished you know what i mean like i think that's great um but again i feel like there's definitely uh things that address both sides of that combo i'm not so sure but i'm well song of creation <laughs> but uh yeah maybe we should talk about that in a minute but yeah. just to to give uh my two cents about this whole thing like yes. the the thing is, we haven't seen the whole set, so that's right. it's. We right. should probably just kind of with, withhold judgment on the topic. But initially, like Wizards plans these things out, um, in like deliberately. You know, they say these day one, this is the stuff that people are going to see. Like this is what we're going to show people. And so day one, you have a certain image in your head of what the set is going to be, and then day two, that image changes a little bit and updates. So when this came up. I'm pretty sure it was like day two of the previews. So I think we yeah. started getting previews on April 2nd, which was pretty smart because April 1st would have just been a lot of people questioning whether things were real. Um, <laughs> but uh, so what was that last Thursday? So we had April 2nd and April 3rd, 
with previews. And then we had the weekend where they were just showing the commander previews and confusing everybody, as we already mentioned. Um, <laughs> but so we went several days kind of having like a limited view of what the set was going to be. And I think at that point I was feeling very um, kind of like, huh, I don't know if this set is for me. Like I know, I'm aware there are more cards coming. And I started thinking maybe the spiky cards are going to start showing up, um, you know, later on in this spoiler season, uh, preview season. Um, but I, at the time I was just feeling like it wasn't, wasn't my kind of thing. But I think since then I, I'm, you know, it, it was, it did turn out to be a lot of spiky cards showing up in the previews, uh, in subsequent days. So today's Wednesday. So we've gotten three more days of previews since, uh, since last week. And there are some just really, interesting cards and we haven't even seen the the rare dual land cycle yet we don't know or i'm sorry the rare land cycle i don't know if they're going to be duels i assume they are because we've got like a lot of three color situations going on here we've got hybrid mana we've got like just straight up three color cards we found out today that the ultimatums are uh, are yeah. back so like if you played back during the shards of alara block in 2008 um we had the um, but the shard ultimatums, right? So you had like Grixis and Naya and Esper, you know, the, the, the shard colors, the tricolored ultimatums. And, um, and then wizards never really went further with that cycle and printed the wedge colors like Abzan and Sultai. Uh, so we are getting those, we're getting the, the other ultimatum ultimatums. And I think this was something that Morrow, uh, Mark Rosewater said, Players have been asking for this for like 10 years, and we're finally getting to complete that cycle. So I'm pretty sure that's what this is. Um, that's definitely a Timmy kind of thing or, you know, just a big splashy spell that it does a ton of stuff. Um, but in between the ultimatums and these big Godzilla monsters, there are a lot of other things that I'm just I think are really going to impact multiple formats. And, and this is a really powerful set. Um, Seems that way. Yeah. Well, you were going to say something. That I, I think. Oh, I know. You had a card. <laughs> I think this sets uh, Wilderness Reclamation, you know, as far as people's reaction to it, where like, is this card real? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I scrolled way down from it. Hold on. Um, so, <laughs> uh, la, 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 where are we? I already forgot the name it's, of it. I got I, it. It's called Song of Creation. There you go. Um, it costs uh, colorless. Uh, Blue, green, because of course it does, and red. It's an enchantment. It's a rare. You may play an additional land on each of your turns. Cool. All right. Great. So four mana for an enchantment that lets you explore every turn. Well, not explore. You just you just play a land on your turn. Yeah, you play an extra land. Spell. That's great. Awesome. Does it do anything else? Cool. Yes. Uh, whenever you cast a spell, draw two cards. Huh. So it's like you cast explore and drew a card and then drew an extra card. Okay. And then at the beginning of your end step, discard your hand. Well, that doesn't seem good. Yeah, this I know. Sucks. Because I mean, like, don't, you never want to like, you, you, what happens if the only card in your hand is Uro at the end of turn and you can't cast it? You know what I mean? So you wind up having to discard your Uro. And that stinks. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, there's this no card, reason you would ever want to put cards in the graveyard deliberately. There's no reason this card should ever have been printed. <laughs> People said the same thing about wild, Wilderness Reclamation, and uh, so far it's, well, it's not banned. 
but it's not as powerful as this. No, it's not, not even I'm, like remotely as powerful as this. Um, this car, I mean, it's it's just absolutely insane. So you get three abilities, two of which are are good in pretty pretty much in a vacuum. You know, play land draw right, if cards. Was, if, if this right. had one of the two abilities. Mm-hmm. Of the first two abilities, you could have you could have put a line through one of them, and this card would still be like very playable. Yeah, you so know? like every turn you get to play an extra land. Not quite fast bond, but you know something like it, right? Um, By the time you hit four mana, sure, because like what you're most you're going to draw are like two lands a turn. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like So yeah, and then and then discard your hand. But the thing is, like there are going to be decks that can absolutely break that third ability and that's the key to this card because the other stuff is stuff you want to do anyway right like uh play an extra play extra lands and draw extra cards like that's those abilities are just going to fit in any deck so it's the decks that can uh make the the most of that third ability that are going to make this card i don't know i mean it's so weird right now with the way that they're printing sets like we now see cards and say is this the card that's going to be banned in four weeks or eight weeks or whatever, you know, it's just nuts that we, we initial or like our initial impression of a card is this is insane. It may be banned in X format. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's where we are with this. It's a four mana enchantment, but it is super, super powerful. Well, I can't remember. I think it was, I don't know if it was in the Sam Black article we were just reading before uh, we recorded or not, <laughs> but somebody was talking about how like, uh, it doesn't feel like they're giving any consideration uh, to like vintage or to legacy, like when they print cards, um, I think it was in the Sam Black article. Uh, he was talking about how they don't consider how much a card is going to warp legacy or vintage, um, and I think that that's because they don't because they don't care right, about yeah. those formats anymore. Like you know, like which really is a little liberating for them in terms of uh, set design because they can really just push the power level of of standard cards now because they don't give a crap right. if, it, if it ruins vintage they don't care about vintage well i think they know? care so here's what i think it's it's that's close that sentiment i've seen that sentiment before i don't think i saw it in the sam black article because i hadn't finished it but we are going to talk a little bit more about that article in a few minutes um but uh, i have seen that sentiment before and i think that's generally true but i think that the truth of it is um, they don't care about banning cards in those formats anymore. It's not that they don't care about those formats. They just don't care about banning things in those formats. So they're kind of like, we're going to print them. If they're broken, we'll just ban them. Whatever. Like, it's fine. It's banning something in Legacy or Vintage is just not a thing that bothers them, uh, especially new cards, right? Like, I think it, people will be pretty upset if they start banning, you know, uh, revive, well, original dual lands in Legacy or something. Like, that would make people upset. It would make the format much cheaper to play, but it would make a lot of people upset. Um, anyway, new cards, they don't care about banning them. Um, they still, I think, want people to enjoy Magic that way, but they don't, they're not worried about banning cards in those formats. So I think that allows them the freedom that you just mentioned to explore doing things how they want without really worrying too much about those formats. Right. Um yeah, but that that's a card that, you know, we just saw it for the first time a few hours ago. Um, I haven't been able to give it too much thought, but I mean, it's, it's you know that there is, that people are going to break that card so quickly. Uh, it, just anything that can take advantage of the graveyard, uh, of putting cards in the graveyard. I mean, we've already, I know uh, Ryan 
in our Discord is pretty excited about it because he's a big fan of cards like Ox of Agonis and Bedlam Reveler and, you know, those kinds of things. I know he's working on uh, a deck and he was looking for effects that allow you to discard your hand. Well, here's one. I don't know if he was looking to play Teamer, but (laughs) he might want to do that now. Um, So it's, it's, uh, I don't know, this card just seems absolutely insane. And I'm just kind of looking to see what people do with it. Um, that, that I would say, you're right, it, it, that's a Johnny card. Right? I think that, oh, yes, definitely. Um, I think we can just say, why don't we just say, why, like, why do we have to assign these names? Why don't we just use competitive, combo, casual? I mean, like, let's just use those. Yeah, that's um, a good point. I mean, I, I don't know. You're right. That's just a thing that people did like 20 years ago. I found right. an article because I was kind of like, wait a minute, these players psychograph uh, profiles or psychogra- psychographic profiles, I think they're called. Um, I can't, I want to remember the details. So I Googled it and I saw like Timmy, Spike, and Johnny revisited. And it was from like 2006. I'm like, well, geez, yeah. <laughs> they're being revisited. Yeah. And this was 14 years ago. Right, so, right. And think about, I mean, like, you know, to be fair, think about the other terminology that was acceptable to say like 14, 15 years ago. Sure. You know, we just don't, you know, I, you know, I'm going to say it right now as, as for magic players everywhere. Let's move on from that. You know what I mean? And I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not criticizing you, obviously. This is something that's ingrained in both of our minds. But I'm thinking, I just like, what, like hearing us try to like fight through it. Why? You know, why fight through it? Just combo casual competitive, you know, right. like it means the same thing. Uh, names are less cutesy, but so what? I think, um, though, I think that, I mean, not to go off on a, this tangent, but I do think like, if you, you can be a player that likes to cast big monsters competitively and you can be a player that likes to play really uh competitive cards but casually if that makes yeah. sense oh, you know yeah. I mean? no absolutely so yeah the people it, who ruin edh yes um <laughs> so yeah no totally i get that um <laughs> uh so you know what i want to talk about a card that i really like that sounds like um, a good plan uh hold on i i didn't do a proper tra- transition i want to do a i want to talk about a card that i really like okay um where is it? Jeez, you're really not prepared with your transitions or even what you're going to talk about. Oh, it was a great transition, man. Uh, <laughs> the transition was, awesome. was good. I just, you yeah, just, it was you know. really good. I got it. Got, got it. it. Okay. Call of the Death Dweller. Holy crap. So uh, I read this. I reread this card, and it is a little different than I thought at first. Uh, it's a black and two. It's a sorcery. It's an uncommon. Return up to two target creature cards with total converted mana cost three or less. So not three two cards with three right. that would be stupid busted total converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield put a death touch counter on either of them then put a menace counter on either of them um so wow like this card is awesome i mean have you seen some of the decks that are uh the, like the racto sacrifice decks that are going on right now i mean you i've heard, heard rumblings yeah, so I mean, like you've got um, you're talking about standard. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so you've got uh, what the hell is the <laughs> the red black? <laughs> Man, Titan? we're bad at this. Croxa, Croxa, right? Oh yeah, I, yeah I the red to, black Titan. I wanted yep. to call it like Crocus, <laughs> like um, but uh, you know, so Croxa, Titan of Death's Hunger, um, getting that back and like. I don't know, like a order of the Evan Legion or something with this, like, or, um, I don't know. There are a lot of great cards. Uh, the, the, um, the I mean, cat. you can get Euro back. Just one, shut up. a single Euro. Yeah, um, shut up. 
the, the thing is, like, no, now you can't play this card in um, in semicolored decks. That's one of the things on this card. It says you cannot play this card <laughs> in decks that run breeding pool. So no, you can't do that. <laughs> but you can totally do a lot of really fun, cool, not frustrating stuff with like Rakdos decks um, or Golgari decks. You know, lots of decks that are like fun to play against that we want to promote people playing. Um, and not in Sultai decks that make you want to stop playing Magic. Um, but the thing about it, like that interaction, I mean, it's it's still good that with with Croxa and uh, and Euro. Like the thing is, they weren't escaped, so you still have to sacrifice them. So you're just getting their ETB right, but trigger, it, but, which is terrible for for the for the. Um, for the Uro decks, you know, they really don't want that ability, but for the Rakdos decks, yes, because when you sacrifice the creature, you get a trigger off of your, uh, your thing there. And it totally plays into the idea of the deck, which makes it way better to use this card with that than the less fun option of using it with Uro. So, um, so you definitely don't want to do that. Definitely avoid that at all costs because, I mean, that is officially a terrible idea from us here at YoMTG Taps. I mean, it's um, not great. No, like, we're serious. Oh, it's horrible. To, to, it's like one of the worst things. You have to, <laughs> like, use a third color. You have to play Uro in your decks and be a Euro's jerk. Euro's expensive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How much money do you feel like spending on Magic? Don't do that. Play Rakdos. <laughs> do it with um, do it with the other creature because then you can bring back another creature, too. That's you can true. bring back one a drop. one yeah. drop with the one. Well, you know, with Kroxa, you bring back a one drop. With Uro, you're just bringing back a euro i mean so what just cast another euro you don't need to use that card with that um so uh <laughs> fiend artisan speaking of cards that work well in uh in black decks um whew, fiend artisan's crazy yeah it so is. um you can pay uh you want to read the card Yes, yes. Go ahead. Uh, it's a one-one. It's a nightmare. It's a mythic rare. Um, it costs two mana of either black green hybrid. Uh, it gets plus one plus, so it costs black black or green green or green black. Yep. It co- it gets plus one plus one for each creature card in your graveyard, and then you can pay X and black green hybrid and tap sacrifice another creature. Um, Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less that is not called Uro. Put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Activate this ability only anytime you could cast a sorcery. So uh, lots of really fun things you can do with this that aren't searching for Uro is you can um, sacrifice a creature and then search up, um, what do you call it? Um, Gray Merchant, right? So you can just sit there and just keep chain and gray merchants out of your deck every turn. Yeah, it costs uh, like six mana, right? But it'll cost you six mana. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, playing things like Uro. I mean, not Uro. If you're playing things like um, Surfing Bird, what's it called? What's the bird called? What bird? The goose. Oh, the gilded goose. Oh, Surfing Bird. Sure. <laughs> um, you know, you're playing Gilded Goose. You can ramp. You've got other ways to ramp. You can get there faster. Uh, but ideally, you want to be playing like a mono black thing. Um, and yeah, you have to get to six mana. But that's kind of how some of these decks play anyway. Like these decks kind of play for a long game. So it, you stick the uh, the demigod on turn two. Um, you know, you get that big fat butt on it that blocks for days. Um, and then eventually you start like whittling away at their life total w- with um, 
what's that card? I can't even think of the name of the card. The triple black uh, card. And sometimes you just windmill slam a uh, a gray merchant on turn five. Sometimes you don't. Um, you got Rankle there to slow him down a little bit, you know, get some things off the board. Um, anyway, uh, this card fits in there pretty perfectly um, because, again, when you're going for that longer game, sometimes I've gotten to a point in games where I'm just waiting to rip a gray merchant. I'm like, damn it, if only I had a gray merchant, I could just, you know, kill this. So you get into situations where this card would be live a lot, um, especially I mean, at least in the games that I've played. Uh, with mono black devotion in standard, you see what I'm saying, right? So, so it really would be um, conceivable. I get what you're saying. Six mana, it's a bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I, I wasn't be, literally dismissing it. I was more no, just no, saying I know like you weren't, but but it, you made me have to go. Okay, justify it. You know okay, what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you made me think that I wanted I wanted to figure out how to justify it. But that is the reality of it. Is that you do sit there and you're like, okay, I've got all this devotion. I need something to make it work. You know because. Right. Um, I don't know. So that that's in standard. So this card, I actually had a little list of uh, files of a few cards I wanted to talk about. I have five cards. I know we didn't officially decide we were going to like pick five because technically the whole set isn't spoiled. But um, but I had five cards and some notes, and so this is one of the cards on the list. And and the first thing you look at this card and you think like, oh, it's Tarmogoyf, Tarmogoyf plus Birthing Pod, like kind of, but it's more like the original Lurgoyf, not Tarmogoyf, because it's only counting creatures. Um, it's not quite as good as Tarmogoyf plus Birthing Pod, but it's still really interesting. Um, early on, obviously, you play it on turn two. It's unlikely to be bigger than maybe a 2-2 if your one drop got wild slashed or something, you know. Um, but, you know, obviously it grows itself with its ability. Um, and the other thing, you know, it it gets creatures onto the board circumventing counter spells. I think that's a, that's a relevant thing against any, any format that has a, you know, a counter spell deck as part of it, because you might, um, you know, you can win the game with your gray merchant, but you need to resolve gray merchant, not with fiend artisan. If you've got fiend artisan, you don't need to resolve gray merchant. It, you don't cast the card. It just gets put onto the battlefield. So, um, that's really, that's a, a good, part of this ability um this card the thing that i was thinking about and it's not far off from what you were saying but um this might be the card that slots into mono black aggro and pioneer um Mm. it's cheap it has lots of free food because you can easily rebuy whatever you sacrifice you're like whatever sacrifice my um uh, blood soak champion and i'll just get it back when i need it you know like uh like all of your so many of your threats or so many of your creatures that you can sacrifice you just bring them back um and it's a way to find your bigger threats like Rankle, like you mentioned, um, or just get more creatures onto the board, right? You're just like, okay, I'm going to sacrifice my blood soaked nah, champion. No, 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 no. Screw Rankle. We're talking Kalidus here, man. Well, I mean, sure. Get Kalidus, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> you could, get Kalidus. And that, that, you're right. That's actually a good point because it allows you to play sort of a toolboxy strategy where you're like, yeah. maybe I'll just play, you know, instead of four Rankle, I'll go three Rankle, one Kalidus because I can always tutor up the, mm-hmm. the Kalidus. Or, you know, two Rankle, one Kalidus, one Spawn of Mayhem, whatever, you know. Right. The thing is, Spawn, you don't get the, the discount. You still have to pay four <laughs> right. or actually five if you're but using But you definitely fee- play four copies of this. But like this, well, I don't even know if, if you do necessarily because you, sure. it is an aggro deck. So you want your two drop to kind of be more aggressive, but I think you can, I think it's, uh, it's, it's worth, pretty aggressive if they if they kill your one drop and then your turn two one drop. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you you drop this on turn three, it's a three three for two. You know what I mean? Like 
Yeah, and I'm not. I, I'm certainly not trying to say it's not good. I'm just trying to right. say like this is something I would consider. I don't know the exact numbers. The other thing about mono black aggro and pioneer is the two drop slot is is like nothing. Usually it's just scrap heap scrounger, and some people have been playing graveyard marshal, but it's just basically another like it's just kind of a generic two yeah, drop. Like the best, right. it's just not anything much there. And and the deck has a couple of flex slots, which you've seen cards like. Um, Mogus's Marauder. That's you know that was one that I was playing with and loving. But there's a few open slots that sort of either go to something like Mogus's Marauder if you want to go super aggro or more removal if that's what the situation calls for, or even main deck um, discard outside of Thoughtseize. Maybe you're playing Agonizing Remorse or whatever that card is called. Um, <laughs> but the point is, there is room in the deck. There's room in the two slot. So that's you know this card fits right there. Um, and yeah, like you can you can tutor up your bigger threats if you want, or you just keep putting more. You're just drawing a card from your deck every turn, like an additional card. the The reason mono black aggro, or part of the reason it was so powerful, um, and still I think is really powerful, is that there's always something to do with your mana. You're like, oh, I'll just play scrap heap scounder out of the graveyard again, or I'll activate castle lockthwain, or I'll, um, you know, bring back a blood soak champion or a dread wanderer. And this is all outside of cards in your hand. Like if you your hands empty, you still have so much to do. Fiend Artisan is another level of that where you're like, I've got this on the board, and if I need to, if I my card my hands empty, I'm just gonna go get another creature out of my deck. Um, and it's yeah, getting a cheap creature like when you've got say five mana on board or something, and you're like, I'll sacrifice my Blood Soak Champion and go get a uh, Scrap Heap Scrounger, and then I'll rebuy my <laughs> my Blood Soak Champion. You know like. Um, like now you've just, you just drew a card out of your deck and put it on into play. Um, and this is outside of any kind of birthing pod shenanigans that the card might actually enable. It's not birthing pod, but it's a card that is another Johnny, I'm sorry, another combo card. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, uh, but it is, you know, people that like birthing pod, I would think would try to look at this card and maybe break it. Um, downside, it's easy to kill has summoning sickness, and you have to pay full price for the creature plus one mana. Birthing Pod was just like Phyrexian green and one, so it was always either one mana and two life, or just two mana, and then you would just, you know, sacrifice a creature and get something that costs one more, so you didn't have to dump a ton of mana into it. This this does require a lot of mana, but I, I really like this. This is one of the cards that I'm looking to possibly pre-order, but it looks like it's a pretty hefty price right now so i'm holding off but it is one that was uh it's high on my list to try to get a hold of because i think i think in mono black aggro that's where i want to play it yeah that definitely sounds right um i want to play it in several formats so obviously i'm gonna need to get a play set too uh and yes we need to wait like i i feel like you wait a couple weeks I, what did i say in the chat like it's gonna be like eight bucks like if you wait a couple weeks after cards are opened i mean um, maybe but it is it, maybe uh, it's we, like if it's eight bucks, you think, well, then maybe it's not that good. <laughs> like what happened? We have a very unique thing going on here with like, first of all, um, the paper set being pushed back like a month. Right. Mm-hmm. And that when they how, what they did May 15th, um, May 15th. Right. I don't think we talked about that on the last episode because it hadn't been officially announced yet. Had it? I don't think so. I think we were just were kind of like, uh, there's no way we're going to our L- our LGSs right now yeah. <laughs> at that point. Um, but it's official now. May 15th, the set is coming out. It's still coming out digitally on the release day, the original release day. Um, and we are still doing our uh, thing right now. So if you sign up for our Patreon, 
we're not charging folks. You did remember not to charge folks for the last episode, I did right? remember to forget to charge people. Good. That's right. <laughs> I think I said that. I said, that's, remember that's to forget exactly to charge. You said. That's, that's what I said. So um, we are not charging people for our Patreon, but you do have to sign up for it. Um, we don't know when we'll start charging again, but for now, all you have to do is sign up for our Patreon. We'll send you a link to get into our Discord. Come into our Discord, and then on the release weekend, the pre-release weekend, you know, when it was originally supposed to happen, on Arena, do a sealed, save your deck, which will save your whole card pool, and then we're going to play each other over, uh, challenge each other over Discord um, over the weekend. And if you beat me in a match, a tournament match, two out, two out of three, I will send you a rare for my collection along with your stickers. Um, but anyway, uh, I figured out a way to break uh, this card um, from the new previews. Uh, okay. Do you want to know how you do that? I want to know what you're, uh, what you've got up your sleeve. Well, you have to have seven mana. And then, ta-da! You broke it. Uh, it's Ruinous Ultimatum. <laughs> it costs two red, three white, and two black. It's a sorcery. It's a rare. And it says, destroy all non-land permanents your opponents control. Um, so that's all you have to do is have seven mana. And then you broke the card because... Wait, you say it breaks itself? Yeah. <laughs> I was very like, what, ruinous. what does very this ruinous. have to do with fiend artisan? Very ruinous. Um, yeah, that's the combo. It's a one card combo. The combo have... is two black, three white, and two red. <laughs> that's right. BA start. And um... <laughs> perfect. Uh, yeah. Whoa, that's powerful. Um, you know, I have been wanting. I'm telling you right now. I have been wanting to play Electro Dominance since that card was spoiled. I remember. Like, but if only there was a card that was strong enough to cast off of the X uh, ability on Electro Dominance. Oh, I think I found it, Joey. I think I'm going to try to get me a Ruinous Ultimatum cast off an Electro Dominance. Do it. Somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere. I don't know where. But <laughs> Limited. <I'm> gonna... <laughs> You'd have to have like a really weird draft format, but you know, you can uh, do well, it. I mean, they have the sealed cube. I said the, yeah, maybe there you go. Roll the dice a few times, but, um, that's all I had to say. It kills what? everything on your opponent's side. It costs seven mana. If you cast it, they're going to have a bad time. Um, I think it's worth mentioning. So yeah, let's, let's, we've got three of the ultimatums right now that yes. I know of. Um, and I think they're significantly more powerful than the ones we saw in the last set, Shards of Alara. You know, the, the last set that included ultimatums. Um, I don't know. Ultimatum was pretty good. Oh, it was. I'm not saying it wasn't. And it's a it's an iconic card. And in fact, like I don't even know what any of the other ultimatums do. It's the only one that I <laughs> that I remember. <laughs> and it's not just because that's the one I was casting. I think it's because it's the one that was cast the most. Um, but all of these seem like cruel ultimatum level. Uh, I mean, you're ruinous ultimatum. You're just clearing your opponent's side of the board. That's incredible. I mean, obviously they keep their lands, but other than that, you know, that, that seems good. And this, I, I would arguably, I think that's the worst one <laughs> of these three. <laughs> Which one? Ruinous ultimatum. The one you just mentioned. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I like it a lot, but you're right. Um, I mean, they might not even have seven mana worth of permanence to clear depending on what deck you're playing against, but, uh, but still like, you know, still, it's an X for one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Emergent Ultimatum isn't any good. So Emergent Ultimatum is the Sultai one. 
Yeah, uh, definitely shouldn't play Soul Tie. Uh, the, the ultimatum's terrible. Yeah, um, I guess I'll read it just just to let people down. You know, I'm sure people are going to be okay. disappointed All to right, hear about fine. it. Search your library for up to three monocolored cards with different names and exile them. An opponent chooses one of those cards, shuffle that card into your library. You may cast the other cards without paying their mana cost. Exile Emergent Ultimatum. Oh, did uh, they? I mean, they could they could have still fit. You gain eight life on there. No, nah, they would have to have to change the font size and everything. Oh, no, it would have been fine. <laughs> yeah, so that's the Sultai one. That's uh, two blue, three green, two black. Uh, it's a sorcery. These are all sorceries. They're ridiculous. Right. But, I mean, just play Teferi alongside Emergent Ultimatum and just play it at, at instant speed if you want. Uh, little Teferi. Um, and then the, the Abzan Ultimatum is Eerie Ultimatum. It's a green, green, black, 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 white, white. Return any number of permanent cards with different names from your graveyard to the battlefield. These just seem ridiculous. <laughs> like, I mean, it's seven mana, so they should be ridiculous. But this is just this isn't just like a reanimation spell. It's like all the reanimation. You know, every card, every permanent that has a different name is just you just get it back. I mean, it's like how much you know, planeswalkers, creatures. You're getting card value like you know card advantage in terms of actually getting playing one card and getting multiple cards back uh and mana advantage because yeah you pay seven and as soon as you cross the threshold of seven mana worth of cards on the battlefield it's like you ramped and drew multiple cards like I don't have, know. They, have they pre-release banned this from commander yet I, I haven't seen anything yet but you know i haven't been on twitter for a couple of hours so it's possible um <laughs> Uh, I want to talk I, – I briefly just want to talk about the dark side of the Land Before Time uh, fandom. Um, this card here, Forbidden Friendship. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. He's going to do something to that dinosaur. It's a red and one. It's a sorcery. It's a common. Create a 1-1 one, one red dinosaur creature token with haste and 1-1 one, one white human soldier creature token. Um, I just think it's interesting card – um <laughs> like flavor wise or what it does in the game <laughs> i don't want to say flavor but maybe in like the way it's presented i mean there's a, these these uh humans are bonders or they're bonding i don't want to with... talk about the flavor of the forbidden friendship so much <laughs> um you know what i hadn't considered it but it's it's a little bit creepy <laughs> it's a little bit <laughs> this is a little bit much <laughs> um, anyway. I'm sorry, it's just making me laugh. You know what, though? Like, one thing that is interesting to me is that there are some very, and I forget even what card it was that would make this good, but there are some, like, really cheap dinosaurs in this set. Mm-hmm. Like, like a, I think there's like a two drop, another, like, that's like a, you know, a two drop card that makes a dinosaur token. Right. And I can't remember, like, what cards there were that like played well with dinosaurs. It's been a couple of years, you know? Yeah. Um, but there were some, and a lot of times with tribes like this, you kind of go, Oh man, it'd be cool to make a tribal deck, uh, around this particular tribe, but everything in that tribe costs like four or more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't find the other card off the top of my head, but, um, but there are several cheaper dinosaurs here, and I'm wondering what they uh, what they do. Um, 
to a deck like that. Oh, that's right. Labyrinth Raptor is a two-drop dinosaur. Okay. I'll read it, I guess. It's a black and red. It's a 2-2 two, two menace. It's a nightmare dinosaur. It's a rare. Whenever a creature you control with menace becomes blocked, defending player sacrifices a creature blocking it. Uh, and then black-red, creatures you control with menace get plus one, plus oh until end of turn. Um, I think it's a pretty neat card. Yeah, um, just the base stats are good. 2-2 two, two for two with menace. Seems good. And then you can pump itself probably pump other creatures possibly and then right. that that other you know the uh basically sacrifice effect uh, for your opponent i don't know seems really good yeah it does it seems like almost unblockable and it can be pumped um and again it's not i can't again i cannot name why it's relevant that it's a dinosaur off the top of my head you think it's something from ixalan that you're now, d- it most certainly is, okay. but I can't remember what. Um, but all I'm saying is it is not irrelevant that it is a creature-type dinosaur for two mana. That's all I'm saying. Is uh, there – I mean I'm going to just quickly ch- search Scryfall and see if there's anything um, that might – let me see. A dinosaur in like the Oracle text. Let me see. Um, I mean – there's 42 cards, so maybe I won't sit here and read all these. <laughs> but I thought maybe there was something that um, that would jump out at me, like, oh yeah, it's if you control this kind of dinosaur, you know, do something. So yeah, you know, you're right. Um, there's the the marauding raptor from M20. That's like if a dinosaur is dealt damage this way, marauding raptor gets plus two plus zero. Oh. Like I don't know, that doesn't seem like it. Um, Hmm, maybe you'll just have to explore it, and if you figure it out, mention There's it There's got to be something. There's got to be something. That's okay. all I'm saying. So I've still got four cards on my list that we Do haven't it. even brought up yet. Should we talk about them? Yeah. Okay. So the, the we've only mentioned, I think... <laughs> did we mention any of the mechanics in Aquaria? No. I don't think we I have. Think so. No. <laughs> so first of all, like the easy one, cycling is back. Um, cycling was... You know, I think a fan favorite. I always like it. I think it's great because it allows you to put cards in your deck that you might not otherwise want to play. But since you know you can cycle them, um, if they're if they're not working, you know, if they're not good in your hand, I think that's just a great backup ability for a card to have. Sensor is the card that pops into my head right now because you wouldn't really want to play Sensor if it didn't cycle, because it's a double uh, force. Well, it's a force spike that costs twice as much. Force spike is good. Uh, four spike that costs two not so good but if it has cycling now it becomes like a staple in blue decks and pioneer right like so that's just an example of of a cycling card that i've been playing recently um so cycling's back yay i'm happy about that um the other two new mechanics one is called mutate and the other one is called companion um let's talk about mutate real fast mutate is the one of the more confusing mechanics i think that uh, that we've had recently, and maybe it's just because we haven't gotten used to it yet. Damn but, uh, it. Generally, I was hoping you had a totally firm grasp of it because I'm confused. I was like, oh, I'll just ask Joey about it when we record. Yeah, Damn so, it. so what it is, it's kind of a creature with base stats, right? You got like power toughness, it's probably some kind of ability and a casting cost, right? Like that's normal. Then you have something, the mutate ability is an additional, or I'm sorry, it's, a, um, it's an alternate cost. You can pay whatever it says the mutate cost is, and you're casting it for its mutate cost. You put it over or under target non-human creature you control. So first of all, just no humans, right? You can only mutate non-humans. Right. That is relevant. Um, Very relevant. So pay attention. You can't mutate your Snapcaster Mage. Um, 
what happens is you put that creature, you choose either over or under the other creature. Um, if you put it over the creature, essentially what you've created is one big creature uh, that is all the text on the top card, which is the card that you just cast, uh, and then all the abilities on the bottom card. So um, let's let's use Tarmogoyf as an as an example. Uh, actually, that's a is that a terrible example? I mean, Please don't use Tarmogoyf. Use something more normal. Yeah, let's say grizzly bears. They're not human, right? <laughs> um, but grizzly bears have no abilities. That's right. <laughs> I mean, uh, think, geez, this is hard. Try bristling boar. What's that? Bristling boar. I don't even know it, what that does. What is that? Uh, it, it, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't know any magic cards except for vanilla creatures and things that are way too complicated. This is like when I got that. This is like when I got the makeover for Baltimore Magazine, and they asked me which celebrities' hairs I liked, and the <laughs> only celebrities that came to mind were bald celebrities. I was like, Vin Diesel. Uh, Billy Corgan, uh, Moby. Like, I literally just started listing off bald celebrities because oh of the it was too much pressure, man. Like, I, didn't, I couldn't answer the question because it was too much pressure. Like, just, I don't know. Like, so, okay, Joey, listen to me. Let's pretend that there is a 2 2 creature that says. Um, How about this? Tap- let's, do, let's use Llanowar Elves. Llanowar Elf, exactly. We got Thank one. you. We got one. We know. Okay. Um, world's not bald. Um, <laughs> so if you cast your mutate creature on top of a Llanowar elves. There's no need to mutate. Uh, we're getting there. Um, but yeah, the, uh, you, you get all, everything that is the top card. So you get the, the name and the creature types and the power toughness. And the bottom card, you gain, gain all the abilities. So... What you'd gain in this sense is you'd be able to tap it for a green mana. That would be the ability you gain. So it's it the power and toughness is all the top card. Um, the abilities it just gains the abilities of the bottom card. So so it okay. So the card on top is the power toughness, right? So you yeah. ign- so you ignore the one one of the land or elf altogether, right? Exactly. You ignore the the creature type. You ignore the name. You ignore the color. You just gain the abilities of the card. On the bottom. So, so that's, I guess, the simplest thing to think about is all you're getting is the abilities of the card on the bottom. Um, you can, of course, do the same thing and put your mutate card on the bottom, and then you have Llanowar Elves, 1-1, one, one, adds a green, and then whatever abilities the mutate card had. Um, so it's you still end up having a Llanowar Elves that does exactly what Llanowar Elves does, but has whatever additional ability that your mutate card had. So okay. the card that i'm going to mention um is snapdax apex of the hunt this so far is my that's one you're looking at okay Um, yep um this is my second favorite mutate card i've seen i'll mention this the first one later but uh so snapdax is a three five for uh black a white red and one so four mana for a three five legendary creature dinosaur cat nightmare mythic rare um double strike and whenever this creature mutates, it deals four damage to target creature or planeswalker and opponent controls, and you gain four life. So a lot of these mutate creatures have a whenever this creature mutates uh, trigger. So you get some sort of a benefit by making your two creatures into one uh, just when it mutates. So the mutate cost on Snapdax is two colorless, uh, a black or a red, that's a hybrid, white, white. So for five mana... Uh, you get the mutate 
ability. So you put your snap decks on Llanowar Elves and you put it on top because that's going to benefit you more because you would rather have a 3-5 than a 1-1. Now you have this ability that triggers that lets you four mana, or I'm sorry, four damage lightning helix something essentially, right? Like yeah. it's just creature or planeswalker. You can't hit a player, uh, but you deal four damage to something, gain four life. Uh, you have a 3-5 double striker that taps to add a green mana. So that that's how that would work. Um, you can then cast another mutate card on this pile on these two creatures you don't have to uh stop at two creatures you can play more so you can cast for example c dasher octopus uh c dasher octopus is my favorite card with the uh, mutate ability it's a uh creature octopus it's a rare it costs blue blue one uh, it has flash and it's a two two um sorry i covered it up by accident with somehow my Computer covered the, the stats, okay, or the card. Um, so it's a 2-2 two, two for 3. It's got flash. Whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. So it just, it's got curiosity built in on it. And then it has a mutate cost of a blue and 1. So the thing about C-Dasher Octopus that makes it so good is it has flash. So you can mutate and get these mutate triggers at instant speed, whereas most other mutate cards, they don't have flash. I don't think we've seen another mutate card that has flash. Um, so you're not going to get those mutate triggers uh, unless it's sorcery speed, it's your turn. So C-Dasher Octopus right away is interesting because of that. Also, the mutate cost is only two mana, so you're instead of flashing in a 2-2 for three, you can flash in you know, and get a mutate trigger on something, if something else has a mutate trigger, um, and get it at instant speed, and you get the, whenever this creature deals combat, you know, the uh, this combat damage draw cards, you get the Ophidian Curiosity ability. Um so let me let me quickly read what I had about Snapdex. So um, I love it. I mean, I think it might be... It's hard to say what's the most powerful mutate creature because these have been so... They're all re- really big and splashy. Um, three colors, I think, is a lot to ask in Pioneer, but in Standard, I think this could see play where it's a little bit more forgiving to, to mana bases. Um, it's kind of slightly slower format. Um, I think this card's insane. The base stats are more than solid. You get a 3-5 double strike. So if you're for four mana, three five double strike is already fine. Right? You just play it like that. You don't have to play it with the mutate ability. You can ignore that. Uh, and then if you have something else that mutates later, you could mutate it on top of snap dax or underneath snap dax and then get that trigger. Um, but a mutate ability that gives it repeatable creature and planeswalker removal. So it's not just you're not just killing a creature. You could also kill a planeswalker um, plus gaining life. I think it's just super powerful. Um, in, in if you're in these colors, if you're in like the Mardu. Shard? Wedge? Wedge. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're in the Mardu Wedge, um, it seems like like an auto-include if you're a mid-range strategy. Um, you can technically play it in a Boros or, or solve deck if you limit yourself to just casting it for its mutate cost. Um, but I think you'd most likely want to play this in a, in a Mardu deck because you want to be able to play it at, for four mana if that's the case, like if that's the, the situation you're in. Because the thing about mutate is you have to have something to mutate onto. If you have a clear board, you can't mutate. You got to walk straight. That's right. You know, um, and then see <laughs> Dasher Octopus because I mentioned is it that already. Song is that song like, like strangely like homophobic? Like <laughs> I'm know. serious. No, like because like to me growing up, it was just kind of like a yeah, you can do it, kid. You know what I, I mean? It was like a, kind a, of song. a song about like not but doing drugs. But then at one point, it literally goes. 
uh, C straight, B straight. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you just tell me to be straight? Like, really? Like, I don't know. I, I feel like the 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 meaning behind that is more like a early 90s. Yeah, I'm straight. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm cool. I'm whatever, you know, like. But uh, hearing it now with a critical ear makes me kind of go, <laughs> were they trying to like. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> It was yeah, 1990, I mean, you know, it was yeah. written in probably 1989 or something, you know, like whatever. It was 30 years ago. So I think yeah. things were a little bit different. And I think, uh, but I, I thought the song was about like not doing drugs or right? like walk straight, you know, right, uh, right, so we're talking right, no, about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out of their shells tour. That's, this is what we're, <laughs> we are referencing things that are like 30 years old and we yes. don't care if you get it or not. Okay. <laughs> but um, I at least wanted to mention it. Sure. Uh, of course. Um, you know, uh, one of the cards I like just for the name alone is mm-hmm. Archipelagor. I love that name too. L- hold on. I, I want to finish talking about Sea Dasher Octopus. Yes, please. Tell just me since I brought it up. So ignoring please. Mutate, Walking Straight, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's solid on its own. 2 2 Flash with Curiosity is already good. Um, it reminds me a lot of nin- Ninja of the Deep Hours. Remember, like, we would yeah. mm-hmm. oh, have like totally. a Ninjutsu Absolutely. thing. You have a creature that's unblocked, and you switch it for Ninja of the Deep Hours mm-hmm. with Ninjutsu, oh, yeah. and you get to you know, trigger something. So in, uh, in that way, like being able to, to mutate, it's kind of like Ninja of the deep hours. You get to, uh, you have a creature that's unblocked and you flash in the sea dash or octopus mutate on whatever it deals combat damage. You get to draw a card, right? Like it's super cheap mutate cost plus flash makes it just busted in a deck with other mutate creatures. Um, you get their mutate effect at instant speed for only two mana and possibly get to draw a card depending on when you cast it. Uh, I think it's uh, it's great in like a blue base tempo deck outside of mutate decks, but just just having a flash creature that can um, become essentially an enchantment. I don't want to call it really an enchantment, but that's sort of what these mutate cards feel like. Um, it's uh, I, I just think this is possibly the best mutate enabler in a set and um there's a there's an article emma handy did for star city we're going to link it in the show notes it won't be free to read until i guess next monday or tuesday um but in a few days you, you should be able to read it for free if you're not a subscriber to scg premium um so yeah that, that's what i got on c dasher and the same for that sam black article we keep talking about because they're uh that's the last thing i guess we should talk about yeah, so so I I have a companion card on my list. So let's uh, let me mention my one more card that's not a companion card. Then sure. we'll move on mm-hmm. to the companion card and that article. Sound good? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. This card, my early favorite in the set, um, and possibly still my favorite, Yadaro Wandering Monster. Uh, it's a red, legendary creature, dinosaur turtle. It's a rare. It's an eight eight trample haste for red red and five, which is kind of cool legendary creature eight eight trample haste for seven doesn't seem too bad uh it's also got cycling red and one maybe i should have brought this up in our topic about cycling but uh when i was talking about that but um whatever okay yeah so if it's too early and you need to just cycle this you can cycle it right when you cycle yadaro wandering monster shuffle it into your library from your graveyard if you cycle cycle the card named yadaro wandering monster four or more times this game put it onto the battlefield from your graveyard instead do this before you draw so yadaro uh, i'm calling it tortoise of fate because it's reminiscent of Nexus of Fate. Uh, <laughs> it just keeps coming back. I love this card. It's 7 mana for the 8-8 Trample Haste with Cycling. That's the baseline. For 8 mana, spread across 4 turns, 
you get an uncounterable 8-8 trample haste draw four cards. Like, that, I, that's just crazy, right? Of course, you're drawing the four cards over the course of right, four right, turns, right, too. Right, but right. that's essentially what you're doing. You've, you're pumping eight mana into it. If you miss your third land drop, you can still play this card. <laughs> You've cycled four times and apparently still not found your fourth land or your third land drop. But essentially, you can, you can do that. But um, on the fourth cycle, Yadaro essentially has flash. Because you can cycle at instant speed. So if you know this is going to be the fourth time or or subsequent, um, note it does say four or more. So your fourth cycle puts this into play uh, immediately. And anytime you you know, you want to play the, the next copy, uh, you you can play it. So let me let me back up. So on the fourth cycle it essentially has flash, you can drop it in mid combat. Um, it already has haste, so you don't have to do it. Like it's not one of those things where you're like, "Oh, I'm going to flash this in at the end of turn, and then they then I have a creature to attack with that they didn't account for." I mean, it already right. has haste, so you don't need to do it that way. But if you're trying to be mana efficient, I think it's it's good to you know if you got the two mana up. But I think just being able to flash in and block something, and then have an eight eight trampler sitting around to to attack with on the next turn seems pretty good. Um, yeah, so four or more. This is, you know, you cycle it for the fourth time, you put it into play, your opponent kills it. You draw and cycle another copy, it's in play. They bounce it with Teferi, cycle it again. Like, it's just, you can just keep cycling it into play for two mana. You never need to cast it. And as long you know what Yadaro says the fourth time you cycle it? What's that? I love being a turtle! I hope that's the arena. Uh, <laughs> The sound. I would turn the sound on. The the voice acting on on Arena. If you could uh, get Yadaro saying that, that would be great. Um, Mike Flores did a whole article on this on on cool stuff. We'll link that in the show notes, and you can read it immediately. It's free. Um, free. Free. Yeah, I just love this card. It's probably still my favorite card in the set. Uh, I just I love the art. I love that you can play an eight eight trample haste for two mana. It's really good. I missed the part where you shuffle it back into your library. That's pretty. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah that's why I called it Tortoise of Fate because it's like yeah, you don't shuffle it back <laughs> in every time it dies, but you shuffle it back in every time you cycle it. Right. So, um, or I mean, you shuffle it back in um, if it doesn't come into play. That's what I mean. What? And the, but the first three cycles they just come right back they're just in your library so your deck's getting smaller as you're drawing your cards for the turn you're drawing the cards off cycling so you're going to find yadaro more and more quickly as you cycle and you don't have to play four copies mike says that in the article too he's like you might think like we should play four copies of this to trigger it as often as possible and i think that's true but you don't have to you could just keep finding the same copy of yadaro if you want you know if your deck really needs to uh you need to trim on cards so mm-hmm. uh, i just love it um so, yeah, I think we have... I'm checking to see how long we've been going. Uh, a about while. The, about the length of an episode. Um, so we'll talk about this last last card. Um, Lurus of the Dream Den. This is uh, the creature that has the other mechanic, Companion. Um, companion is a mechanic... Let me try to... Oh, of course, I scrolled wrong. Okay. Companion is a mechanic that gives you some sort of deck-building restriction. And if this card is your choice companion you may cast it once from outside the game. So it's like a commander in a weird way. Uh, you, you In competitive environments, it counts as one of your sideboard cards. So uh, you have to... You can cast it from your sideboard, but you have to announce it at the beginning of the game. And your, your 60 cards that you're presenting in that game have to adhere to the deck-building requirement. So technically, game one, if, it doesn't, if your deck doesn't meet the deck-building requirement, that's fine. But if you adjust things game two... 
to meet the requirement based on what's in your sideboard, you could always then say, all right, I'm presenting this creature as my companion. What that essentially does is gives you an eight-card opening hand, the eighth card being your companion. Um, so I made a joke. It's like playing a 61-card deck, a 14-card sideboard, and an eight-card opening hand. It's like a weird <laughs> weird format like that. But um, And each of these companions has a different kind of um, deck-building restriction. Uh, this one, Loris of the Dream Den, is a 3-2 lifelink legendary creature net cat nightmare. It's a rare. It costs a black or a white, a black or a white, and one. So three mana... It's Orzhov, Orzhov, one. Um, companion. Each permanent card in your starting deck has converted mana cost two or less. Uh, so if every permanent in your deck costs two or less, you can start the game with Lurus available to cast once from outside the game. Um, and then Lurus's ability, I already mentioned Lifelink, uh, also has during each of your turns, you may cast one permanent spell with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard. Uh so this is the companion that has a lot of people up in arms. Um, this is my pick for this set's Once Upon a Time or Underworld Breach. Uh, it's likely to see play across all formats, but the older the format, the more likely it is to see play because mana cost and mana efficiency gets more important the further back you go. Um, right. So the two mana permanent restriction is easier to adhere to in formats that are kind of already adhering to it anyway. Um, this is one of the criticisms, I think, of the of this kind of uh, mechanic is some decks already meet the requirement by accident and just go, Oh, well look free card. I get to start all games with an eighth card in my hand, essentially. Um, so on this, like just, you know, in general companion, uh, I think it's kind of hard to evaluate because at first, a lot of the creatures we were seeing were not as good as Lurus, like didn't have that kind of ability. And I'm sure we can mention some, um, in a minute, but, um, I think it's kind of innocuous, but it's subtly, like, deceptively strong. It reminds me of Adventure, because when we first saw Adventure, it was kind of confusing, and you're like, well, I wouldn't play Disperse or a 3-1 Flash that couldn't block ground creatures, but Brazen Bar was $30, right? Like, <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't want to play, like, one side without the other being an option, but when you have two options that are initially, or that both are, like, kind of on the weak side, but you combine them, you get that adventure or that adventure mechanic gives you that kind of built in card advantage. Um, I kind of think that's similar to with the companions. Like they, they seem like they, outside of Lurus, like they're decent cards outside of the companion ability. You might not play them without the option to start with them in your opening hand, quote unquote. But because you get the companion ability that, pushes them over to the, over the top and definitely into the realm of playability. Uh, just a couple notes about Luris, and then I'll let you go off because I, I kind of been talking a lot. Um, Luris, this particular companion option only cares about permanence in your decks. So you can play this uh, as your companion alongside like Force of Will in your legacy deck because it's not a permanent. Um, what you can't right. do is play more copies of Luris in your 60 if you want That's this right. as your companion because this is a I, permanent that costs three. It's like, so weird. But right. like uh, you also cannot cast instants and sorceries. It's not Snapcaster Mage. You can't like lightning bolt every turn. It's, you have to cast a permanent from your graveyard. Uh, or if you want to use that ability that during each of your turns, cast one permanent spell with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard. So like you have to actually have permanents available. It can't just be any spell you want. Um, my first thought when I saw this was mono black aggro and pioneer. But like 
because I'm like, oh, it's black. I'm looking for stuff for mono black. This seems awesome. But like in a way, it's I don't think that's where it shines because in in mono black, you're really not gaining much because your one and two drops already have ways of coming back. Right. <laughs> so you it's know, like I don't need like, that ability. Um, let me tell you where I think this shines. Well, is, I have that. That's my next sentence. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Know, okay, this is my last sentence too, or uh, or. Last two sentences. I prefer it in any aggro deck that already doesn't make use of the graveyard. So like red, white, burn, and modern, maybe. There's a lot of non-permanence in that, that deck, but you still get like Goblin Guide and, and uh, the prowess creatures like uh, Monastery Swift Spear, uh, Idol on the Great Revel. Um, and maybe this pushes mono red aggro, quote unquote mono red aggro in Pioneer into another color, uh, but like Boros. Like I, I think that's where I'm going to start looking to possibly put this card in maybe like mono red aggro and pioneer because being able to play to replay my soul scar mage my monastery swift spear my what you know all these uh great low drop creatures that mono red already has if i can play a red white deck that does it or you know or red black um i might might go that way yeah so that's what, um, that's what i got go ahead sure sure so i think this card um goes really well as the companion for the recto sacrifice deck yeah, because again, like I said, I mean, you can you have to make a couple little changes to it, um, but uh, you still can play that three mana um, graveyard spell, and this is essentially a fifth copy of that, you know, where you're you can bring stuff back from the graveyard. Right. Um, now, what's interesting about that ability is usually abilities like this trigger at a certain time during a certain phase, or they trigger. So meaning like, like you're prompted at some point, okay, do you want to use this ability or not? You know what I mean? Is kind of, is kind of what happens in game with cards like this. Like when this creature attacks, you may return creature, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. This says during each of your turns, you may cast one permanent spell with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard. So that means you cast this, it comes into play, and then you can use the ability at any point in your turn when you could cast that that creature. You know what I mean? So if it's a flash creature, you could cast it at your end step or during combat. But um, you get to cast this um, right away. You get to use that ability right away. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So um, so it's definitely a thing um, that I think is awesome for, for a deck like that because, well, I mean – Croxa mm, seems pretty good. You know what I mean? Like, right. Um, and then you still can cast it for four later and get it for good. And that kind of works around this ability, which is kind of cool. Um, but I like this card. I mean, this card's really good. Um, and like I said, the Sam black article that we're going to link, hey, what's the title another- of the article? Do you have it? Um, okay, it's that. like something like companion is, uh, the worst mechanic for magic since Phyrexian mana. That's right. And that right away, that's, a, that's some clickbait <laughs> stuff right there. But Sam Black, uh, I trust, uh, is not just, you know, trying to bait and switch us on with like a crappy article. I read about half of it before we had to start recording, so I didn't get to finish it. But, you know, he's talking about how this mechanic might um, just not be the best idea. And he compares it a lot to Commander because Commander being like your Commander is a way of giving you a deck building direction so you know you have an elf as a commander that helps other elves now you have your direction that you're going to build your whole deck around elves and he says like commander is kind of like your way of having a a role-playing game in magic because you kind of pick a character and pick all the spells that go with that character um 
But he says that competitive magic already has like a direction. It's to win games. The, the point you don't need to like make a theme deck. You you're trying. Your goal is to build the best deck possible. And if these cards are just going to be incidental inclusions, uh, it just meaning it's going to make things ubiquitous, right? Because all right, Luris is so good. Now suddenly there's no no decks in the format that play permanents that cost more than two. That pushes cards that cost push, pushes permanent cards that cost three completely out of the format because Luris is that good, and that's not where we want to be, you know? Right. Um, that's I, just one example. Right. Right. Yeah. It, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's it's definitely new, and new is always weird. Right. And scary. But I do feel like there's a big problem with everyone just having a commander now, basically. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that's going to be a thing. Like, I, I think that, like, if you only have to change four cards in your deck to have yeah. an eighth card in your opening hand, you're going to change the four cards in your deck. Like, exactly. that's just, I mean, no question, you know? Right. You got to look um, at what you're giving up to do it. But if the hoops to jump through aren't all that big of a deal, then you're going to do it. Right, because why the hell wouldn't you? Right, right. I mean, why wouldn't you? Like, you're basically breaking the rules. Cards that break the rules are the cards that get banned. That should be pretty obvious. You know what I mean? Like just cards that are really strong. You know, right? Exactly. (laughs) I'm saying, you know, yeah. Um, To the extreme, they get banned. You know, but like, you know, if a card breaks the rules, it's probably a card you want to consider for your deck. Absolutely. And every one of these break the rules, uh, which is which is crazy. and I also just wanted to make a really bad pun um, because, uh, you know, we've been trying to figure out a way uh, to break Storm Herald uh, in standard for a while. I know that Ryan's been working on it. Um, I haven't worked on it, but I want to. Um, but I just wanted to say that he was uh, dreaming of colossification. Um <laughs> So a Red Hot Chili Peppers reference is that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't want to say dreaming of colossification because that would just mean you were a scummy magic player. But um, uh, but classification is a card I should probably read since I just made a pun about it. Um, it is where is it? I lost it. It's like a five mana enchantment that gives plus twenty, plus twenty, right? Yes, uh, uh, for no, seven mana. Oh, I'm sorry, seven So mana. it's seven mana. It's, uh, it's an aura. It's a rare. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, tap enchanted creature. Enchanted creature gets plus 20, plus 20. <laughs> yeah, it's green. So, so what is it, green, green, five? Green, green, five, right. Okay, that's where I got the five from. So, you know, we're thinking about Storm Herald with this. Fling. Um, fling, right. There's a lot of different ways you can make this work. Or even just thud. Thud's a mana cheaper. No, there you um, go. Uh, but yeah, there's something there. Storm Herald classification. That's something I want to mess with. I mean, people laughed at Sovereigns of Lost Alara and Eldrazi Conscription ten years ago. I'm like right. not joking. Like that did not seem like a legitimately competitive deck. It seemed like what people would say lately is a meme deck. We didn't have that term back then, I don't think, but nope. uh, it was certainly a card or a combo that people were kind of like, huh, yeah, that's funny, you know, but then it became like the biggest deck, Mythic Conscript, con- yeah, yeah, Bant Conscription, it was, or Mythic Conscription, I think is what people called it because like, <laughs> like the whole deck was Mythic Rares um, and it was Sovereigns of Lost Alara and, and Eldrazi Conscription and it basically was similar to 
do cheating classification into play if they, we were to try to explore that with with Storm Herald. So it's a similar idea. So, you know, maybe it's not going to quite get to that level, but it might be worth exploring. I don't know. Seems seems like a fun exercise, at least. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a lot of cool stuff. Oh, here's a card that I'm going to read it because I've never read it before. It just popped up when I refreshed the page. Okay. Offspring's Revenge. Oh, man. <laughs> Dexter Holland. Yeah, it's time to come out and play. It's uh, two red, white, and black. It's an enchantment. It's a rare. At the beginning of combat on your turn, exile target red, white, or black creature card from your graveyard. Create a token that's a copy of that card, except it's 1-1. One, one. It gains haste until your next turn. Hmm. Interesting. It's five mana, a bit expensive. Seems uh, pretty fly for a white card. <laughs> Let's hang up. Yeah, I know. We're, Let's end this. We got to go. We gotta... <laughs> uh, I want to hang up. Okay, we're going to hang up. Last thing. I don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> you did it. I don't know, man. So anyway, good. I blame you. I wasn't going to even talk about that card. <laughs> I didn't know the card existed until two minutes ago. Uh hey. So, okay, before we wrap up, we are uh, we do have an Interplanar Beacon segment for this week. Yes! Um, because I just have to mention it. Two of my favorite players uh, on the SCG Tour, that's uh, generally where you see them playing, Zach Allen and Harlan Fuhrer come, have come together and built a Voltron of a podcast. Or what it, maybe it's just two of them talking. But uh, either way, they've created a podcast called Up to Date MTG, and it's coming out, at least at this point, three times a week. Their second episode debuted today. Ow. It's Wednesday. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That's their plan here. Oh, I guess wow. that's a result of being, you know, quarantined. If you have yes. have the extra time, we can put out an episode three times a week, I guess. Right. Um, that's why I was like, you know, we've gone way over what we usually do. And I was going to say something. And I'm like, nobody's going anywhere. Everyone's just literally sitting here listening to us. And then when it's over, you're going to be like, OK, now go what? check out. Uh, yeah, when it's over, go check out up to date MTG. So That's, we're going to link uh, it in the show notes love again. <laughs> uh, it's obviously like a competitive podcast. They're going to likely talk about um, the most competitive formats that are relevant for that particular week or weekend. So you're going to hear a lot about standard, modern and pioneer, I imagine. But, you know, those are my three favorite formats. So we'll. Uh, I, I'm excited about this. I've only listened to the first episode. I have like a few minutes left in it, so I haven't checked out the second second episode. The title uh, indicates that it's entirely about Luris, the card, the companion card we were just talking about. So if you want to hear some much better players talk about it for like an hour, go check it out. Um, and we'll link it again in the show notes. Sounds good. Shout out to Zach and Harlan. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess that about does it. You've got a, almost an hour and a half worth of content from us. Uh, you'll hear from us again in about two weeks when we will have more Ikoria stuff to talk about. Full set, uh, experiences with the set, things like that. Um, it'll be fun. If anyone beat me to yep. win a rare. Things like that. Yeah. It'll be fun. And uh, I guess anything else interesting that comes up in the next two weeks. Right. So until next time, we are Yo MTG Taps. Make them have to Google all our 90s references. fun.
on and uh, I guess anything else interesting that comes up in the next two weeks. Right. All right. So uh, until next time, I'm Joey Pasco. We are. <laughs> I don't ever say that. <laughs> so until next time, we are Yo MTG Taps. Make them have to Google all of our 90s references. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's do that again. I was just laughing because I'm like, I'm Joey Pasco. That's OK. It's fine. No, leave it. Leave it. It's fine. I was laughing, too. It's What's, good. That was that was wild. Was the fun. Anchorman thing. I'm what is, I forgot his I'm name. Ron Burgundy. Hey, I'm Ron Burgundy. That's what I felt like. Um, <laughs> until next time, we're Yo MTG Taps. Har 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 har. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> um. Cool. I will. Um, do you want to do it for real? Do you want to do it for real? Yeah, let's I do it mean, for real, so I can edit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I am still gonna say what I said, but yes, let's do it for real. Okay, that's fine. Until next time, we're Yo NT. You suck. You suck. All right. So until so until next time, we're Yo MTG Taps. Stop. I just want to finish. I know. I was just laughing when you were trying to say it. Okay. Okay. Go for it. So until next time, we're Yo MTG Taps. Make them have to Google all our '90s references.